What's good, y'all? Welcome to Stay Dedicated with your two favorite dads. I'm Zach, and I'm that dad who had one too many peach douces at True Kitchen and Cocktails in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach was the reason everybody was twerking. Yeah, Just that was my disclaimer. fault. Hey, the music was bumping, though. I'm not going to lie. It was it was great. I was really feeling it. That, that drink was hitting hard. Hard. Yeah. Do say also release how you can make it on your own. We'll we'll get into that. Okay, yeah. And I'm Justin. The two voices that you hear are the two voices of black fathers that are here surviving and striving every week, and we're here to bring you the news, culture, and perspective. So true kitchen. True kitchen. Under a lot of fire. Yeah. A lot. You wanna go ahead and tell us the story? Ridiculous. Yeah, tell us tell us what happened. Uh I mean random backstory to to the whole true kitchen fiasco. I was at True Kitchen. Zach was at True Kitchen. <laughs> All at the same night. <laughs> 24 hours before the debacle happened. Yeah. And I'll say for myself, I truly enjoyed myself at, at True Kitchen. We can tell. I had to, I booked that like a month and a half in advance. Yeah. I was all for the hype for True Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um and it met all of my expectations. My server was, was on point. My food was amazing. I had great service. I had the great ambiance. Went there for my birthday. So I had my my friends with me and we just, we had a great time. Yeah. So little <laughs> did we expect that 24 hours later, that this no, mess would happen. The internet would be ablaze about True Kitchen. Yeah. I got invited by my cousin to go check out this True Kitchen. Y'all had I've a never, whole party. Yeah, we had a whole party. And I mean, it was me, my wife, cousin and boyfriend, and then like these two people I've never met before. But hey, we got to know each other afterwards. And yeah. And I've never been to this place. And I was just really interested to see all the hype. And it I mean, it met my expectations to a certain extent. Um, simply because I mean, the, the peach douce was on point, right? But apparently the mac and cheese was not a, as good as I expected it to be. And this is coming from my wife. Like, I just ate my mac and cheese, but her, on the other hand, she did not feel it. And so she had to order. Wow, I didn't try the mac and cheese. But. Yeah. But, I mean, it was good. I mean, I liked the black and fish. It was on point, you know, so. Yeah, um, I had chicken and waffles. Uh, they had so many different types of waffles. Yeah. And then they had different seasoning for the chicken. Yeah. They had a vegan bowl, too. Like, it's, to me, you know, the selection, even though it's primarily more on the cocktails, but, I mean, yeah. the, the comfort food was, was on point. Yeah, it was. And just even the ambiance, I yeah, think. Like the ambiance was just on point. Like, I mean, I liked rooms, it. Multiple like, rooms, multiple floors. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, I just like the fact that there was a lot of culture. There was just a lot of blackness going in there. And, and I just really enjoyed it a lot. Fast forwarding 24 hours later, <laughs> all that changed in, a, in, in an instant. Yeah, in an instant. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nothing to go viral nowadays. And that's exactly what happened. So all the, the yeah. joys that we experienced yeah. on that Saturday night. Sunday, there happened to be an incident. It seemed like it was a fairly, fairly chill night mm-hmm. for a Sunday evening. There was a DJ there. It was a DJ um, while we went there as well. And there happened to be, you know, in a corner area, there was um, some patrons that decided that, you know, they were feeling the alcohol, feeling the food, mm-hmm. and that with the DJ was playing music, um, they wanted to dance. Yeah. And they started dancing. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, this is all in you know, retrospect now, but I mean, we have footage of kind of seeing them getting up and dancing and then also seeing that the owner came out and the owner came and spoke to them. We can't mm-hmm. hear what he says, but we see that there's a, a dialogue between them. Some time elapses, they get back up and they start dancing again. And this is where everything goes to worse. Uh-oh. Now we have clear footage of the owner coming back 
And at this point, he is irate. He's, he's yelling at the whole room, not addressing just the, the individual patrons that were right. violating, but yelling at this whole section, mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, he asked them to stop. But I mean, the, the patrons decided not to stop and they're twerking. And this, mm-hmm. this is a fine, you know, high class restaurant mm-hmm. that he built for our people. Yeah. And if women can't respect, this is all quotes, not necessarily words of mine. But if women can't respect themselves to, to not twerk and to not dance to the music, then how can you hold men to a higher standard to to not you know belittle them and Eesh. how this is you no know, destroying our culture. Yeah. And then if you don't like it, then you can go. He listed yeah. out some other Dallas lounges and restaurants, yeah. which was very demeaning. And pretty much said, I don't need y'all or I don't need your money. So y'all can <clears throat> yeah. go. Yeah. Like a minute of just restaurant suicide. Yeah. It was very unsettling. Yeah. Just to know that like I said, the great experiences that we had were completely contrary to mm-hmm. you know what these other patrons experience right and there's a lot of wrong <laughs> that could have been resolved yeah i mean and you know what i i understand where he's coming from but then again i feel that it was it was wrong on his end to do that part to just call people out and then also say the comments that you did i one thing that i kind of agreed with whenever he said in a statement that you know you can't really use culture as like your excuse to like you know i get it twerking is part of our culture it's part of black culture but there's a time and a place in my opinion there's a time and a place to do all that and i felt like true kitchen is not the place to be so that's where i kind of see where the owner is coming from but then at the same time i understand like i'm like you didn't have to do all that extra stuff Yeah, there's so many so, different different angles because even yeah. when you use the the culture Right. As like as a crutch, you know, <clears throat> culture is something that's constantly yeah. evolving, yeah. and it's. I mean, you mentioned time and place, but I mean, culture is everywhere. Who gets to decide the culture? Who gets to put the parameters on the culture? Right. Uh, and what he messed up, a lot of people believe, is that he he compared the culture and atmosphere that he wanted to create for his restaurant. Mm-hmm. He compared it to restaurants of, of white people. Yeah. Um, and that's where we lose every time when you're trying to do a comparison race. Um, it puts us, it's always going to put us in a, in a different light instead of just saying, Hey, no, I want to stick to our culture. This is something that I, I want to yeah. expand. And here's the culture that I want to set for my restaurants. Yeah. He compared it to overall black culture. And, yeah. you know, I think the thing he was trying to aim for is more like black excellence. In yeah, I mean, this he was trying to aim for a lot yeah. of things. He just I know. missed all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, in the, in, in the heat of the moment, he was probably just going off and, and saying what he was saying. And then afterwards he probably collected his thoughts and whatnot. But mm, I just, not but at I, all. I don't I don't know if you've seen the whole meltdown. I, I mean, I saw the statements, but I didn't see the yeah. The so full I mean, meltdown. the statements yeah. to me, like yeah. he doubled down on it. I yeah. don't think there was ever a clear apology. He had every right to say what he had to say. Like he was angry, and I mean, if you were in that in that man's shoes, what would you have done? I mean, there's plethora of different ways to go about this. For one, as the owner, yeah, I'm not coming face to face with a patron unless you know right. I'm trying to uh, like get a feel for just how my restaurant's going. Mm-hmm. There's so many different levels. We both walked into the same door where we saw a security guard. Mm-hmm. If these patrons are violating any of your, prop- or your property or you know, any of your procedures, talk to security. Yeah. Also, you have a whole host of, of staff there. Mm-hmm. They could have you know, helped alleviate the situation before it even comes to you. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes down to the situation, you never address 
that address a minor situation mm-hmm. and a macro situ in a macro effort type yeah. thing. He could have went up directly to them again, like yeah. he did the first time, and said, "Hey, I just need y'all to leave, or I'm going to have this speech right in front of you, mm-hmm. so I'm not being recorded by everybody." Yeah. So he he took the wrong measures. Yeah. So I do place blame on both sides. I yeah. mean, the patrons definitely should not have been doing that. It's not right. something that. Even if you use the aspect of the culture of alcohol, music, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just a, a happy atmosphere type thing, yeah, you don't step on people's property, especially if you've already been told not to. Then you know right. you have to respect that that person's establishment. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, he just went he went completely left with the way he was communicating it. Right to to belittle twerking, especially in this day and age of just like you know women empowerment. If a woman decides to twerk, that does not make make us have room to think lesser of her oh no i i didn't think less of her no at but all. i mean with but, his speech i yeah, mean yeah. that's what he was uh equivocating it to like hey because you're twerking mm-hmm. uh there's a possibility that the men will think lesser of you and right. now i can't hold and my, also the think men that, to a higher standard and, yeah and i also think that like the moment you allow twerking in this environment then everybody understands like oh well if she can twerk then i can twerk and then it's just a domino effect for everybody a ripple effect that goes across the whole you know, restaurant like, oh, OK, well, I guess this is a restaurant that kind of converts into a club. And now we're about to, you know, like pop bottles and, and turn up and so on and so forth. But but no, like so even with that, like true. As soon as I, I booked my reservation, I had to start following them to, to start getting a feel for what I would be getting into. And mm-hmm. then also just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. But they've also been publicizing that they are running a New Year's true true nightclub type thing yeah so now if it's a nightclub if you were truly going to nightclub then you have no but right the thing. To, so yeah, they're showing yeah. that they have the potential for it they've yeah. been advertising this for for a while now right that on new year's eve they're going to clear out the restaurant and turn I mean, it into really, a nightclub they're literally like right next door to medusa so it's not yeah, like it's, yeah it's old club circ yeah. for anybody who's you no know, dallas native type yeah. thing. so it it has the, the infrastructure of a club mm-hmm so that's where he he really got you know overwhelmed in the moment. Didn't gather his thoughts at all. A lot of his stuff is is direct contradictions to what he probably actually believes. And instead of actually taking the time to say I apologize, yeah, um, maybe you know communicating with all the patrons that were there and you know issuing you know a public statement. I was on the internet that night when it blew up. He was. Mm-hmm actively on his Twitter. This okay. whole thing just like with the owners um not having a PR team type thing. When the owners have the phone or the device that connects to the company page, yeah. it's always a mess. Yeah. So he's literally tweeting back at people, you know, putting out his individual responses. Um I'm pretty sure he's the one who put out the footage yeah. of the security cam. And it's just it never in this day and age for you to continue to bury yourself in a in a hole. Mm-hmm. It never really works out in your favor for at least yeah. for that snapshot. Yeah. The reality of this on top of everything else, just like anything else that happens in news, two weeks go by, it's going to blow away. Yeah. Anybody who was upraged, I mean, outraged and who in an uproar, if you, you know lost your reservation or took away your reservation, mm-hmm. somebody else is coming in there to, to experience it. Right. We have a high level of forgiveness or forgetfulness. I just hope that it does help him change away at least a little bit of just how he goes about you know interacting and right. um, you no, know, just learning how to approach situations differently. Right, right. Because I agree with you on the whole tactic on like you know you could have went to security, you could have used your staff to address the situation. You know, uh, you could have called. I mean, I hate to say this, you could have called the police, but not really. It was a black security guard. I know, just a black security guard. You could you should have doubled down on that one, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is gonna be detrimental for his restaurant because I don't it's, think so. I don't. I think it's just it's a publicity thing. Even though I don't like the way the methods that he went about it. He did, yeah. you know, reach out to tabloids. He yeah. did his kind of like his cleanup spiel, yeah. where he just kind of doubled down on it. And I mean, he has some fair points, but just his overall actions were were inappropriate. But I think it's gonna boil. It's gonna it's boil gonna, over. It's gonna be fine unless yeah. his actions okay. repeat himself, repeat themselves. Then he should be in the clear. Yeah. On the same night, though, there was that Mike Tyson and Roy Jones fight that was taking place at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that was like the big thing. There was, there was a place for violence, not a true <laughs> kitchen. This is, was the the real um, violent uh, event. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm kind of speechless on this. I really had no concerns about this fight with these no elder statesmen these elder Mm. gentlemen fighting Mm. getting back in the ring why what's wrong with that um i just boxing is such a no intensive sport it is and the toll that it takes on your body like we've seen just tyson alone and how has affected no his his everyday life yeah uh, just so let the man be great. And, just let the man be great. That's it's, it. I mean, just a certain level of being great, but also yeah. like still being cautious. So I right. think I was overly concerned and overly cautious that, hey, mm. no, they throw the wrong punch. Like they're going down. Like it might not be something that's no death related, but like if they swing the wrong way, somebody hits them. No, if they get a kidney punch type thing, like at. 50, 60 years old is different. I mean, look, they know what they signed up for. They've been in the game, in the boxing game for a long time. So I'm pretty sure their bodies can take it. I mean, yeah, granted, they are at a, you know, 55 and I forgot the other guy's age. But yeah, I mean, they're relatively old. Swinging punches and whatnot might, you know, be critical for your health. But again, like you guys signed up for this. You had plenty of time to back down if you wanted to. But knowing Tyson and and Jones Jr., it it wasn't going to happen. But I mean, my money was on Tyson. And quite frankly, like I was a tad bit upset the fact that they both draw. But then at the same time, I understand because, again, this is just this is just basically just two uncles duking it out in the backyard. And that was really about it. But, you know, but I mean, was it worth my money? Probably not. I mean, I didn't I didn't spend anything. I just. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, No no real losses for you. Yeah. No real losses for me. But I mean, mean, it turned out to be, you know, successful. A lot of people uh, enjoyed Snoop's commentary. Yeah. uh, And also just the fact that, you know, having two legends in the ring. Yeah. Snoop was hilarious. Uh, So I think in in that aspect, you know, everybody wins. Um, I wasn't a fan of the of the draw either. But like I said, I'm glad it didn't come down to a knockout. Yeah. I feel like that would have been terrifying i mean it's just two guys who just who just wants to go at it so i enjoyed it i mean one thing i did not enjoy was this whole jake paul versus nate robinson fight that was like that seemed like it was more the highlight the the undercard yeah that was like the undercard and i was like why are these two anyways that one's been built up so they were building that one up on on a smaller venue yeah because i think is he's a thriller or triller who sponsored that one so that Mm -hmm. one has been bubbling for a while yeah jake paul former youtube star sensation whatever he got in trouble for a couple videos and he kind of dipped off and then he kind of picked just a different career path and then nate robinson um boxing of all things former nba player Mm -hmm. uh i don't know why nate decided to to take this up but i mean i think once you retire you know you You just just, find things to to do with your time open game to do whatever yeah yeah but i mean between just the the sizes like i said this started off as a smaller i think there was Mm -hmm. supposed to be just kind of like an exhibition match of just kind of like all right let's just get two no 
C-list celebrities together and have them fight. Yeah. And I think they got, they promoted it well enough to get on the undercard of this bigger fight. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't supposed to be this big originally. Uh, and I think that's where kind of Nate messed up at. Like this yeah. is where he could have just, you know, taken his L you know, mm -hmm. on a smaller platform. Mm -hmm. Now this was across everything. Yeah, Nate. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, soccer punches and I mean, I'm, I'm trying to defend Nate here because, you know, it just seemed a little uncalled for in my opinion, simply because, look, Nate is is way smaller than Jake Paul and I, I believe like both of them are in two different weight classes. So, you know, so I was kind of expecting Jake Paul to kind of knock him out anyways. And I mean, that could have put a damper on like the black community and like fighting and whatnot. I don't but, think this was a whole race. Yeah. Yeah. Fight race wars. I mean, they, yeah, it's, it's not. But then it became bigger than what it's supposed to be. Like going back to your point. So, it, you know, like so now it's become like a big meme of. Nate Robinson being knocked out and like, you know, everybody's just making fun of it and, you know. Yeah, he gonna survive. Just like I said, with anything, it's gonna be about two or three weeks. It'll blow over. Yeah. It was it was funny for the moment. He's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. He's okay. Yeah. He's healthy. Yeah. He just got knocked out. He picked yeah. the wrong fight. Still I didn't necessarily office. see too much like promotion or, or, or talk from, mm -hmm. from Nate Robinson. So I don't know if he already kind of knew this was kind of happen. Yeah. Per se. Um, but I mean, it's it's a fight. Somebody got to yeah. lose. Somebody got to lose. I just I'm just kind of upset that Jake Paul kind of got big headed in the game. He's like, you know what? Since I beat Nate Robinson, let me go ahead and call out Conor McGregor. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, those are two different fighting styles. You're going from boxing to MMA. Come on now. So was so, that him or was that his brother? Who? Uh, Jake Paul. So his brother Logan Paul is a mm -hmm. boxer as well. Yeah. So there's been videos. They look very, very similar. There's been oh, okay. videos of them uh, boxing, per se, with the mm -hmm. headgear on and mm -hmm. everything. You don't necessarily know who was who. Oh, okay. So the other one was boxing before Jake Paul, and they trained together type thing. And yeah. he has a wild mouth. Yeah. So it might have been one of those situations might've... where he keeps on you know, running his mouth, just yeah. kind of using his his brother's uh, likeness. Yeah. But either way, I mean, just like you said, that's a whole different sport. I don't think that would yeah. be successful. But that's what you're supposed to do, essentially, when you win. Yeah. Conor McGregor does the same thing. <clears throat> yeah. He just goes through I mean, it's, it's all trash talk. That's yeah. all it really is. Like, that's all fighting is. But, you know, I appreciate Taylor LaPlay, uh, who plays Diamond in P-Valley, uh, calling out Jake Paul for, like, you know, basically fighting somebody who is like small than you he did kind of challenge him like hey look we can go toe-to-toe -to -toe, eight rounds let's go and and that's that but i don't know i don't think it's gonna happen but if it does nah, i'm definitely nobody, gonna check it out none of these is gonna happen unless yeah. the right money gets put up and like exactly. i said i feel like only reason the the jake paul and nate robinson got put up because they promoted well enough to get it under the right card right but some everybody wants to fight for the right money but mm -hmm. it's not gonna happen nobody gonna put that type of money up Exactly. And after this type of fight, I don't know if I even want to see something. I don't want to see people who aren't boxers just fighting. trying to box. Yeah, like it might seem entertaining, but when it gets down to the ring, it's like clearly yeah. one of y'all is not prepared because you're not a boxer. Yeah. So just so, hit up the big the big three with Ice Cube, and I think you'd be okay. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. So a situation happened where I was at the park with my daughter, and there was this kid who was just playing around. And you know, my daughter's playing around with the kids too. And there's a kid who had a rock in his hand and he was just throwing it at different kids, right? And so I had to call him, like, hey, Millie, we're gonna have to get out of here because this is, this is crazy. Wait. He was throwing rocks 
But did he have a mask on? He did not have a mask on. That's the real crime here. Yeah, so he wasn't wearing a mask, and he was, and I mean, keep in mind, all the kids weren't wearing masks, even my daughter. I, I'm guilty for that oh one. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to get out of this. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. So yeah, he was throwing rocks around, and, and keep in mind, like, I had, there was no parents around. It was just me. What, what playground is this that has, like, legit rocks? Uh, I don't know. Apparently, the playground that's right by my place that I live at. I don't know. Yeah, they setting y'all up. I mean, <laughs> it should be some mulch or something. I mean, but there is mulch, but <laughs> I guess like they're trying to use the rocks as like, you know, as like a landscape to beautify the landscape type of ordeal. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, or maybe he bought his own rocks. No, he didn't bring his own rocks. These rocks are definitely from the park, but this kid was literally chunking rocks at other kids. Like, like, you know, like I'm trying to get you and here you go. Chunk this rock. And now you're it. Like, you know, that, that type of thing. And so me being a parent, I was thinking to myself, like, should I say something about this or should I just leave this alone? And I mean, I want to address it like, hey, look, kid, like, stop throwing that rock. But I felt that it wasn't really my place because of the way people will kind of perceive it as like, oh, why is this guy telling my kid to, like, stop doing this thing? Right. He's just playing. They're just having fun. That type of thing. So I want to ask you, like, should I have said something? To correct the behavior or yeah so should a parent correct the bad behavior of another parent's child in public uh i mean this one is is truly a, a case by case i think looking at this scenario with really young kids type things mm -hmm. if this child does not look like your child meaning that's not a black child per se uh, I'm steering. I'm steering away child. from this. <laughs> i don't need myself as as a black father to yeah. be you know approaching a, a white kid yeah. no i don't need that snapshot if i felt strongly about it like if they if they were antagonizing my daughter type thing mm -hmm. or you know throwing rocks at my daughter then yeah i'm searching for the parent yeah which where they were nowhere to be found and then also i mean if, if if no said parent is to be found and something is coming in my child's direction right then i am irate black father type thing like yeah i will address the child right it's not my first line of action but it if it's just general, like mm -hmm. minding my own, I'm minding my own business. Right. They can, they got kids that got their own parents. It's not my issue. My child knows how to move. <laughs> so she got the brown feet, man. Yeah. Now they know how to move. And then I mean, also on top of that, like I said, if my child ever felt like threatened in that situation, then she knows how to handle herself too. Right. She can address child to child, like, hey, mm -hmm. don't throw rocks in my direction. Yeah. I've told you once. And then we back to True Kitchen. I've already <laughs> spoken to you one time. <laughs> I already spoke to you one time now. <laughs> now I gotta address, now I address the situation <laughs> and, and tell you how I really feel. I'll, I'll post a statement up later on. But switching up the scenario, though, what if the parent was legitimately there but was ignoring the situation simply because they were, quote unquote, playing with each other? Oh, well, I mean, I'm dressing the parent. If the parent chooses not to acknowledge it, I'm dipping. Remove mm -hmm. yourself from any type of situation. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still I'm going parent to parent, adult to adult type thing. Like, hey, it's this is not right. We had a playground. Yeah. How your kid find rocks in the first yeah. place? What are you yeah. teaching your kid? What if the home? parent was being rebellious? Like, oh no no no, let like let them play. Then you still just dip out. No, and, I'm dipping out. Yeah, okay. I might have choice words. Like yeah. like I said, how your child find rocks? Like, what are y'all doing at home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need rocks to play? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole jungle gym here, and your kid wanted the rocks. Yeah. If they were encouraging the behavior, then I'll be like, you know what? We're just going to leave. Well, yeah, it's, I'm not it's a case by case thing overall <laughs> on a humane level type thing. I, mm -hmm. I don't think it's an issue to address wrongdoing. Like right. some things are clearly wrong. Throwing rocks 
you know, at individuals is a wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. The issue is always going to be the perception. Right. The perception of the child that, hey, this stranger just approached me and told me what to do. I don't like that. The, you know, perception of the parent. Still, another random person came up here and tried to tell my child what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. So there's always a, a different level of perception that will skew any type of situation. Right. So that's probably the the biggest thing you have to worry about. Yeah. And if that child throws a rock at you, you just gonna Oh, I kick kids. (laughs) (laughs) They gotta learn something. (laughs) Justin kicks kids. (laughs) Did it all the time. I used to work for the YMCA. Then when kids would act up, you just kid them with a knee in their back. And that's how they learn. And that's how you they learn. You can't do everything to anybody. You're right. Thing. You're right. You got to pick might, your battles. Yeah. You got to pick, pick your, your battles. battles. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the one. You're not the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that is Discipline 101 by Justin Brown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just it, it's an example of just, I mean, parenting struggles. Yeah. Uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. In uh, other news about parenting, you know, struggles, we can get into uh, the Ball Brothers. Uh-oh. What happened this time? Nothing, nothing okay. bad happened. Man. This is uh this is good news. <clears throat> I was like, what did the father do this time? Yeah, Lavar Lavar was actually surprisingly quiet about this. And he's okay. been very low key over the you know, the past few months or even years probably now. Um but yes, the the moment that he spoke into existence has finally happened. Uh he finally has all three uh of his sons in the NBA. So that's a that's a big uh, achievement. Okay. He's not the they're not the first set of brothers mm-hmm. in the NBA, but this was such a, a this is a bigger ordeal just because Lavar spoke so highly and um, confident about his sons and about the business that hey like you no know, he caught a lot of flack that people just didn't believe it would happen, especially since they ran into a lot of road bumps. Mm-hmm. They took a whole different trajectory than most people would do. They played overseas, pulled them out of the high school type thing. Like he really took charge over their careers, and you know that that came with a little bit of uh, rockiness. Should we give him Father of the Year for this one? No, not at all. No. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Sounds just, like a Bo Jackson just, ordeal. Yeah, I mean, doing what he, you know what he should or Joe do, Jackson essentially. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> get the Jackson right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Lonzo is on the Pelicans. Uh, Lamelo is on. He just got signed. He just got drafted to the Hornets, and now okay. Leangelo has a has a one year contract with the Pistons. Congratulations! So now they're all officially on the roster. We'll hey. see where it goes from there. Uh, but like I said, they're not the first set of brothers. Um, not even the set of first set of three brothers mm-hmm. on there. Uh, you have the holidays, and you have the. I'm probably gonna mess up the Ante Tacumpos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, big shouts out to them. Just you know, believing in themselves. Yeah, and also big shout out to Marseille Martin for officially being named by the Guinness World Book of Records for being the youngest executive producer. In Hollywood. At 14. Yep, at 14. For little. Or 16. At 16. No, she's 16 now. Yeah, she's 16. But, oh, yeah, yeah, at 14. It was at 14, she, yeah. Yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Little came out two years ago. Yeah. So, congratulations uh, to her. Like, I mean, yeah. we talked about it in a different episode, but I yeah. think... She just posted, like, the plaque now. Yeah, so, she I just mean, posted the I plaque. I guess it so. got officially recognized, yeah. but the timestamp, she was 14, so uh, that was really big for her. And, I mean, we're going to see what she has next. She's still on uh, Blackish. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised they're still just showing the the growth. Yeah, I mean both the both the kids have have grown now, so we'll see kind of where that 
you know, spawns off to maybe they'll get their own spinoff too. Especially if she's already producing. Yeah. Like, she could technically produce her own show. Got, you got mixed ish, grown ish. Maybe there's going to be something in the ish in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it would definitely still um, Kid-ish, I don't know. fall under Kenya Burrs. He would, you know, spin yeah. it off to somehow. But yeah. I'm just saying, since she's producing, she actually, I would be interested to see if she's produced any of the episodes. Like, I know um, Tracy Ellis has produced some of the episodes. Right. Um, and typically when you get into a long running show, they, they switch that angle so they can get different, um, different perspectives, yeah, like different, different perspectives yeah. from the show. So that, uh, no, that might be a great opportunity for her. Yeah. I'm excited. We just found out about the announcement from Elliot page. Mm-hmm. This was not necessarily my normal cup of tea, but, uh, <laughs> it's something I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a possibility to, yeah. to, to talk about. So yeah. Ellen page, well, Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, uh, you might know her from Juno. Juno. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in one of the X Men movies, mm-hmm. uh, and also she's in Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy, yeah, yeah. So actually, I've seen Umbrella Academy. It's he now. Yes. Yeah. Or they. Or they. Uh, <laughs> Umbrella Academy is the the most recent one that that I've seen. But he came out to came out with like a formal letter, mm-hmm. just saying, "Hey, I." I want to share to you that I'm I'm trans. Yeah. And my pronouns are, are he and they. Yeah. And my name is officially Elliot. And he was received with a lot of uh a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I do believe in today's day and age <clears throat> is something that we we should still take we should take seriously. Oh yeah, of course. There's um there's a lot of underlying bias and bigotry that you know, mm-hmm. get swept under the rug because we feel like we're facing bigger issues. Right. Black lives matter, mm-hmm. you know, you know, blue lives and all that type of stuff. But yeah. there's still this whole underlying movement about just trans lives. Mm-hmm. And even though you might feel on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence, it's still a life at the end of the day. Right. And that's why I feel like we should at least bring it up here. We're both fathers. We both have, you no know, young daughters, just like Elliot, you mm-hmm. know, they, they have a story. Yeah. And however they decide to go about their story is something that we have to be able to to accept, to love and to to live with. Yeah. Definitely just want to take some time to to speak on it. Did you have any uh so, any immediate thoughts on this so, announcement? Yeah, yeah. So when I first saw it, I was like, who the heck is Elliot Page? Like me and my wife. We were like, who is Elliot Page? And why why are they saying these things? Like I've never heard of this person. And when I dug a little deeper, I was like, oh, this is formerly this is former Ellen Page. Yes. And so, oh, okay, this makes sense. Because I knew Ellen, well, Elliot now, was was gay. And she was in, he was in a relationship. <laughs> I'm, I'm stumbling. He no, was I mean, in a relationship. Part of it too. Yeah. yeah, I was like, he was in a relationship with a, a woman. And, you know, and I was like, okay, I mean, this is pretty normal. Like, okay. Like, oh, so see, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So his partner was very supportive about it. I was like, okay. I mean, I mean, I was expecting it from the get-go because, you know, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, I was just surprised to see, like, oh, okay, so Ellen is now Elliot. Okay, I mean, that's fine. And and me being me, I, was, I mean, I'm not, com- like, before we even record this show, I was slightly uneducated on a certain things as far as, like, what is transsexual and what is transgender. But then when I got the whole... Uh, education from Google. Thanks a lot. You know, it, it, it gave me a better understanding of that. So, I mean, in, in retrospect, I'd say that, you know, I'm very supportive about it. And um, I know that like this, uh, to me, this does not seem like a publicity stunt. This seems like something that like has been holding her, holding him kind of like 
hostage. Like, you know, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body and I want to express myself. And I think, you know, a lot of parents should get behind that, regardless of like your religious background or your bigotry or your thoughts on this type of topic. Um, you know, it's just something that I think like just people in general need to support overall. No, I definitely and, and just have this conversation, which is why we have this platform in the first place is just to have this conversation, because like you said, we are two fathers and, you know, there's a like possibility that might happen to us. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, it can happen to our, our children. It's a possibility it's already existing in our own families and our own friendship circles. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a, a true vulnerable moment of us truly taking the time just to learn. Just like right. you said, before we even started recording, we had to do research on this to yeah. figure out what's the difference between transgender, what's the difference between transsexual, yeah. understanding pronouns. It's still, as yeah. we talk through it, it's still a very much so rough process of understanding right. what we hold to be true in our heads to mm-hmm. be able to have a respectable dialogue with these with these communities. Right. Uh, the same level of respect that we would want for our communities, we got to make sure that we can give out. So... That's what really drew me to at least let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pronouns are alone are are challenging. They are. And I mean, and I do apologize for saying the wrong pronouns at the beginning of this conversation. But, you know, it's just something that I have to get used to. And I've, and I've done this in the past before with other people who are also transgender as well. And it's just like, oh, she I mean, he I'm sorry, my apologies. And, and you know, and and I just want to clarify that, you know, I'm you know, I'm very supportive of that part. But digging a little deeper, I mean, how would you feel about it if somebody decides to go down that path of I'm I'm trans or, you know, I'm gay or I'm bi or whatever? It's it's very <clears throat> tricky to, to do hypothetically. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, no matter how. You know, you you prophesize it or you, you know hypo, uh, yeah. hypothetically look at it like your child is still your child, like still my flesh and my blood yeah. type thing. I think we we've moved from as a generation and as a people, we've moved from the days of truly ostracizing people. Yeah, uh, everybody has something quirky about them or something yeah. different about them. Something that makes them unique. Mm-hmm. There's no need for us to to push somebody away due to that as long as it's not creating any true harm for themselves right or from the livelihood you know people are going to live their life how they live their life but it's it's different from as as a father when you get into an aspect of for me the the big difference is age mm-hmm. when you're you're dealing with you know essentially minors right and what we know to be a minor to someone mm-hmm. know under 18 type thing where the brain is still actively developing mm-hmm. and you're trying to to parent and you're trying to impart knowledge and try to impart traditions and things that right. you hold as standards mm-hmm. and we have this concept that we didn't necessarily grow up on right of of choice mm-hmm. we grew up on a lot of things grew up on the internet and all that type of thing but this this newfound openness of choice is different and i'll be honest to say that mm-hmm. um i know one of the things that really kind of sparked it was d wade his child mm-hmm. uh zaya mm-hmm. choosing at such an early age to say hey like i i don't necessarily feel like i identify as um as a boy mm-hmm. so very articulate uh explained that hey you know i want to change my name this is how i identify right this is how i want to dress this is how i want to interact and i was different for me to see yeah. that from such a young age knowing yeah. that I have, a, I have a preteen daughter as well mm-hmm. and I don't know how I can I can handle that. Certain it's certain times when I'm I'm listening to her talk and I'm listening to her process her thoughts to know that there's also a possibility for this generation that she has a whole nother 
personality or a whole nother set of feelings that mm-hmm. she might not feel comfortable expressing. Yeah. And you no, know, sexuality is such a, a huge topic, a huge taboo mm-hmm. that we don't even like dwell into till it's almost it's too late. Yeah. You now you have these conversations at 16 per se, but mm-hmm. I mean, they've been exposed to sexuality since they've been 10. Yeah. Or, you know, you have it at 18 when they're already out in the real world, they've already made decisions. Yeah. So it's, it's weird to, or it's uncomfortable to, to really process these for, for your children that are minors, like. Mm-hmm. How do I say what's right and what's wrong? Yeah. Can I leave it open-ended? I mean, do I really serve a purpose as a parent if I'm just keeping it open-ended? It's kind of like yeah. you can do what you want. Right. So it's it's a lot yeah, that goes a, into it. And, I, and the reason I asked you that question earlier is because, look, I'm a teacher and I mean, you guys know that already, but, you know, I'm a teacher and I, and I, and I hear a lot of things and a lot of kids come to me about a lot of stuff. One of them is just, you know, their sexual preference or, you know, their sexual orientation. And I can recall like there was this one kid who was, um, they came out and said, you know, I'm pansexual. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you brought that to my attention, you know, so that way I can be aware of what's going on. And not assume that this is what you like. So just things like that that I deal with. You know, I've, I've, you know, kids came to me like, you know, Mr. Ammons, I'm, I'm gay and I'm bisexual and so on and so forth. And, you know, as a teacher, it's just like I have to. First off, I can't really address that situation to anybody like that, like them coming out of the closet to me, <laughs> versus like coming out of the closet to your parents. And mm-hmm. then you know they ask me this like, Mr. Ammons, like how should I go about telling my parents that I'm that I'm I'm feeling this way. And, you know, and to be quite frankly honest, I'm like, you know, you just you just have to tell them what you told me. You are who you are and you just have to roll with that. And from a parent's aspect, it's just like, you know, if they were to tell you that type of thing, then, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. You know, some people are going to react differently than others. You know, some people will go off into the deep end. Some people will have to, like, think about it. But at the end of the day, I think for me as a parent, like, you know, take it as it is and, you know, be supportive of that person, regardless of of which direction they go. I mean, you know, and, and I'm not going to lie, like it will be hurtful for me as a parent, but I would appreciate the fact that you're honest with me. Why do you feel like it'll be hurtful? Just the idea that my daughter does not like this way. And I mean, this is just from a general perspective of like just parents who are, who are raised in a certain way. Like this is the standard, like men like women and women like men. There's no Adam and Adam and Steve. That's the standard that I know for sure that I was grown up in. And so me now at the age that I'm at, we're both 30, we're both adjusting to this new world and you hit me with a ton of bricks and I need to process it. So, um, but don't, don't get me wrong as to thinking like, I'm going to completely uh, abandon you or abolish you from my, from my family because that's just not the way to go. And I'll try my best to be supportive because I can guarantee you that if you're not, then your kid will rebel and you will lose that kid in the long haul. So yeah, no matter how, what your, your child is going through, it's still your child and your child still needs a parent and right. still needs level of support. Right. But yeah, I mean, it is tough. This, this topic challenges the constructs of what you believe for your, for sexuality uh, and what you've been taught. A lot of yeah. this is just what has been innately taught for us for generations mm-hmm. and generations and generations. So yeah, that's that's our level of foundation. But yeah. what if our foundation is is wrong, or we know our foundation is right. biased per se? 
Yeah. Um, we we've heard stories, or even we can we've seen it on media all the time. Mm-hmm. Tick off of Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Comedy. Sorry. <laughs> um, I saw the picture in my head, but couldn't. But I mean, just the fact that you know, within that storyline, mm-hmm. his father was gay. Yeah. Um, and just held that in and held it in, but still yeah. was acted upon as his father. Right. Uh, but it's something that he felt like he had to hold in that he couldn't express right. to his own son because he felt like the the constructs of, of society would have pushed him aside. There you go. Yeah. And I mean, that level mm-hmm. of of construct was passed down to his son. Yeah. So if there was a whole nother generation. Right. After that type thing, it would be the same level of logic that's passed down and passed down. Right. But we know over history, a lot of people have struggled with this mm-hmm. and it's, it's built up uh, such a, a turmoil. Right. Uh, just to speak on just to speak on the topic. And I think like the black community and, and I hate talking about this, but the black community has this has this uh, idea that like we need to be strong black men and women you know regardless of what other people think outside of our race this is what we are and we cannot let your sexual orientation be an excuse to you know to just diminish us as a, you know what i'm saying so i don't know how to explain but i'm just going off of like lovecraft county like this is the society norm and because he couldn't do what he did i guess like the the thing that i'm just trying to say here is that going back to what you're saying like you know if we were to come out a little earlier say hey look i'm, I'm gay and and this is what i am yeah things would have been a whole lot different you know things would have been Actually, I think it would have been a lot easier, but just some people have that fear of change. That's that's all. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it boils down to an, an openness. Like I said, I mean, part of adulting is yeah. is really reflecting on you know, what was right and what was wrong. And yeah. this is our opportunity as, yeah. as fathers, especially as young fathers, to to break a lot of those yeah. traditions and those barriers that, right. that were in place and parted on us. Right. But it's hard. Literally, yeah. I mean. I to, mean, because black people in general, we go through a lot of things. And I just feel that like, in order for us to be together as a unit, we need to understand like things like this, like transgender, transsexual, like don't let it be like a stigma or like a taboo within the community. Like, you know, like we should be accepting of these types of things. Yeah. You got to be open to accept it. You got to, you yeah. got to do the research, find the knowledge so that we can have more progressive conversations. Yeah. Um, like I, I want to, overall. I would like I- to have like a conversation with different people who are, you know, of different, uh, sexual orientations and have this open conversation you know parents or you know kids who are feeling this way like I would just love to have that conversation with them and uh and and just like in a judge in a judge-free zone honestly and just go from there honestly but yeah, yeah. I mean at the end of the day you got to remember that they're, they're all people we're all put on this earth for for a purpose exactly know? um we got to continue to learn from each other so we can continue to build up um, as a people and as a society, so that's uh that's what we're here for, especially for for fathers. Yeah, you no know, exploring these topics. This was a very uh iffy topic that we you know didn't necessarily want to get into, but I right. felt like it was necessary yeah. as fathers that we we should at least stand up and have the conversation. Yeah. So uh, hopefully y'all enjoyed it. Um, you no, know, correct us if we're wrong. Or anything we're always welcome for any level of feedback. Like I said, this was a very open and just vulnerable conversation. That, that came about um but yeah we appreciate everyone's support continue listening uh yep. one more episode left 
for season more. three man it's we did 23 episodes in one season back yeah. to back this is a whole different thing but we'll talk about it more in the next episode overall guys uh follow us on all social media platforms that's uh twitter facebook instagram you name it all right and then also follow us on on all dsps that's spotify soundcloud soundcloud Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, Google Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to music at, uh, we're there. Just type in Stay Dedicated. Just go to the website. Either way, get connected with us, share us, uh, and stay tuned for our last episode, season finale. So, until next time, stay Stay dedicated. dedicated.